Hello, friends. Um, today I'm going to share the message I uh, delivered Sunday at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Mineral Wells, Texas. The title of the message is Move Your Mountain, and it's based on an interesting story from Mark chapter 11. It's the second message in a series that I would call the, the Drive to Thrive. The focus of the series is on living an abundant life that Jesus promised us, a life where we would be more than conquerors. If you have not listened to the previous message, let me encapsulate it a bit for you. We talked about developing a compelling future, getting in the habit of thinking things through before you do anything, raising the bar and expecting more from ourselves, and taking action. In this message today, I just want to talk about dealing with problems, and I'm not talking about the, you know, the ants and the mosquitoes types of problems. I'm going to talk about the big problems, what we might call mountains. <clears throat> now, many people kind of labor under that illusion that when they become successful, there will be no more mountain-sized problems, but friends, that's kind of a dopey idea, really, um, for anybody to say, you know, eventually life's going to be easy all the time. Now, a couple of years ago, I was watching a video uh, simulcast that came from Willow Creek Church. Bill Hybels is the pastor there, one of the largest churches in America. He's an inspiration and sometimes, uh, to be honest, a little bit of a source of envy of many Christian leaders. Uh, but in his message, I heard him talking about their budget deficit, which at that time was $2.5 million dollars. Now, I realize that Willow Creek's a large church, but $2.5 million is a lot of money. And in his message, I just talked about what a stressful situation that was for him personally and for his leadership team. Now, <laughs> I could completely relate to what he was saying because at that same time, the church I was pastoring uh, was experiencing a shortfall of about two and a half also. Uh, <clears throat> and that'd be $2,500. But as I heard Bill Hybels talking about two and a half million, at the same time, it was as if the Lord kind of spoke to me in a rather quiet way. And what I heard him say was, if you're really serious about a life of ministry, you need to know that the mountains are going to keep getting bigger and not smaller. And I want to repeat something. You know, ministry is not just about being a pastor. Ministry is just do it, whatever you do, for someone else in the name of Jesus. That's why every one of you who are listening to this today, who counts yourself as a Christ follower, you are a minister. Now, those mountains, you'll always face them. And while it's true that with each success, the mountains get bigger, it's also true that you get bigger. As you grow in your Christian life, you learn to increase your faith. Your faith gets bigger, gets stronger. And, and so the... Uh, biggest mountain is no match for the word spoken in faith. Now, I want to just talk about dealing with a mountain. We're going to look at a rather interesting story from Mark 11. The setting is just a few days before Jesus' death and resurrection. He and his disciples are walking, and they pass a fig tree on the road that appeared to have fruit, but didn't. And so Jesus says to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. Well, the next day the disciples and Jesus pass the same spot. They see this tree withered, and Peter says, Look, Rabbi, teacher, the fig tree you cursed has withered up and died. Now, 
I really don't want to talk to you about the fig tree. I'm just going to tell you that Jesus had a reason for saying what he did. He wasn't really trying to be mean to that fig tree. But the focus on the message is what Jesus said in response to Peter's comment. And Peter said, Rabbi, teacher, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered and died. But Jesus didn't respond talking about the fig tree. He, he said to them, have faith in God. Uh, truly, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, it'll be done for him. So, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it, it'll be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Now, in Jesus' day, just like today, a mountain really is kind of a metaphor for a problem. I mean, Jesus was telling his disciples that there is not a problem in this world equal to the power of God. He was telling them that faith moves mountains. Whether it's mountains of debt or guilt or sickness or conflict or addiction or regret. Name the mountain and it can be moved. More specifically, name the mountain and you can move it through the power of God at work in you. So let me just share uh, three rather straightforward ways to move your mountains, to put your problems in a completely different place, even the biggest ones. Now, the first thing is Jesus said you have to speak to the mountain. And I know that sounds a little odd to some people, that we'd actually speak to our problem. But Jesus spoke to the fig tree, the fig tree withered. And Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain. So you need to understand that from the beginning to the end, the Bible puts a great deal of importance on what you say. All the way from Moses to Joshua to David, Solomon, throughout the prophets in the Old Testament, into the Gospels, the words of Jesus, Peter, Paul. You know, the overall message was, just like uh, Solomon Proverbs says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, Solomon is just saying the same thing that Jesus is saying in the story today. What you say is what you get. Jesus says, if you say to the mountain, this problem, be removed and cast into the sea, you're going to have what you say. Now, there are other steps involved that we're going to look at here in just a minute, but let's not underestimate the importance of what you say. I mean, take a moment right now to think about the biggest problem you're facing, that, that mountain looming in front of you. And I want you to think about how to speak to that problem and how you speak to others about that problem. And I want to challenge you to do two things. One, this is going to sound a little harsh perhaps, but stop speaking to other people about your mountain all the time. I mean, if they're not involved in the problem, leave them out of it. I mean, they don't need to hear it. And let's be honest, sometimes they really don't want to hear your complaints. Because unless they're in a position to do something about it, don't talk all the time to them about your situation. Instead, Here's number two, speak to the mountain is exactly as Jesus tells you. Mountain, be moved. Mountain, get out of my way. Now, some of you are listening probably are, are wondering, you know, are you really seriously saying that I should speak out loud to my problems? Um, yeah, I am. Because Jesus did it and he told us to do it. When you speak to your problems, you're reminding yourself, and at the same time, you're affirming to God and you are um, notifying the devil that you mean business. When you find yourself standing in the shadow of the world's biggest mountain, this is where to begin. You might say, fear, move. 
addiction, move. Financial problems, move. Anger, move. Laziness, move. I mean, re remove yourself. You know, go into the deepest part of the sea because this is not your place anymore. That's the first step. But there's more. Jesus said in verse 24, Whoever says to this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So you're going to speak to the mountain, but second, you have to believe what you're saying. Now, sometimes people misrepresent the intent of Jesus in these verses, just as they mis misrepresent what he meant when he said, in John 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire, it shall be done for you. Now understand, friends, this is not some sort of a blank check where you're going to ask God to leave $15 million in unmarked bills on your porch tomorrow morning. He's not saying that you can ask for any ridiculous thing and you're going to get it. Not at all. The caveat uh, to the Bible's bold promises in prayer is that you must be able to believe what you're praying and what you're praying for needs to be consistent with God's will, and it needs to be consistent with his word. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. And this is why Jesus also said, <clears throat> therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and will be yours. In other words, if it's not a request you can believe in, there's really no point in pursuing it. So let me ask you this question. Where does this belief come from? Well, it comes from the Word of God. I mean, when the Word of God tells you that something is consistent with God's will for your life, then you can speak that word of faith to receive it. I mean, does God want you to suffer from addictions? Yeah, of course not. Uh, I mean, sin shall not be your master, I think is what Paul said. So you can say to that mountain of addiction, be removed from my life based on the word of God, you have every right to believe that God is going to bring victory into your life over that. I mean, does God want you to be angry or financially foolish or to be in conflict all the time with the people who love you? I mean, does he want you to be irresponsible with the way you take care of your health? No, he doesn't. So you could say to that mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and you're going to experience victory. But Jesus said you must speak to the mountain and you must believe what you say. Is it in alignment with God's word? Is it in alignment with God's will? Now, there's a distinction to be made about this belief. And a week ago I said, you know, that faith is not based on a feeling. I mean, I'll be honest, there have been many times I've tried to manufacture the feelings of faith so that I could pray with boldness. It simply can't be done because faith is not a feeling. And even though faith is based on the knowledge of God's word, it's not a knowing. Faith is a doing. Faith is an action. I'll give you a, a good example here. <clears throat> it's in the story of David and Goliath. Well, first of all, David speaks this word of faith to the giant. He says, today, big guy, you're going to go down. And today, all the world is going to know that there is a God in Israel. And then he demonstrates his faith by picking up those five smooth stones, and he steps out onto the battlefield. Friends, when you, when you believe something in your heart, you back it up by what you do. That's what the Bible says in James chapter 1, uh, verse 17. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action or works, is dead. 
Speaking that word is an essential part of the mountain moving equation, so so is backing up what you say with corresponding actions. Well, there's a third thing Jesus said we must do in order to move some mountains. And it seems to kind of come out of left field as if Jesus suddenly is changing the subject. But this step of this step of the process is just as important as speaking and doing. And here's that third part. You have to build your life on grace. I mean, suddenly Jesus said, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that you forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Let me be rather blunt with you, friends. If you want to block the power of God from working in your life, the fastest way to do it is to refuse to forgive. I mean, if you want to destroy your Christian walk and suck the joy out of your daily life and probably the joy out of all the lives around you, the quickest way to get there is to refuse to forgive. Jesus makes it very clear. There's an unbreakable connection between the forgiveness you receive from God and the forgiveness you extend to other people. I mean, many of you in the churches you attend probably pray the Lord's Prayer almost every week where it says, Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Or a more literal translation, forgive our sins in the same manner in which we forgive the sins of others. Do you really want God to forgive you in the same way that you forgive other people? You know, there's a link between the two. And just as many people kid themselves into thinking that someday they'll be on easy street and all their mountains are going to disappear, A lot of people kid themselves into thinking that they can somehow experience the fullness of God's grace without extending it to anyone else. And if you haven't noticed it yet, if you haven't figured it out in your Bible or in your your places of worship, God takes forgiveness very seriously. When you forgive, he forgives you completely. Yet sometimes we want to treat others exactly as their sins deserve. I think back about Matthew 18, that great passage about forgiveness. And there Jesus offers some rather specific steps, you know, when somebody sins against you. He says, first of all, you go to that person in private. I mean, I've often told people, if you've got a problem with somebody else, there's only really two people who need to know about it. It's you and that other person, and I guess you, could, you should throw in God. You don't need to blab it all over to everybody else. And if, if you go to that person and they don't listen, Return with a couple of other, and underline this, Christian brothers and sisters. And third, if they refuse to listen, bring them before the church, to the elders, to your, uh, to your pastor, uh, whoever. You know, the purpose of these steps is to help people come to repentance and bring about some form of reconciliation. However, it's kind of interesting here in Mark chapter 11, Jesus doesn't say anything about these three steps. He simply said in verse 25, and when you stand praying, forgive. I think that's because many of the things that we hold against other people really don't merit one-on-one confrontation. You just need to let it go. I mean, there are times when the steps of Matthew 18 simply aren't possible because of time or distance or some other factor. When that happens, you just need to let it go. Or as I've often said, build a bridge and get over it. I'll be honest with you, I still struggle with this. And then just as sure as the mountains are going to get bigger in your life, your forgiving list is surely going to get longer as well. You're going to find that forgiving others isn't something you check off once a month or so. 
it's a daily thing. In fact, there are days when, for me, it's an hourly thing. Paul said in Ephesians 4, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ and God has forgiven you. And friends, just as I rely on God's forgiveness every day, I remind myself every day to let go of past offenses. And guess what? Sometimes I have to remind myself of that more than once as well. I kind of like what Corey Ten Boom once said. She wrote, Forgiveness is to set a prisoner free and to realize the prisoner was you. You see, if you don't forgive other people, the ability to move mountains becomes meaningless. What good does it do to move a mountain of debt if you're still strapped to bitterness? What good does it do to move a mountain of sickness if you can't think of anything but revenge? Jesus is telling us, and this is a non-negotiable, if you want to be right with God, you must do everything in your power to be right with others. If you want to experience God's mercy, you must be willing to show mercy to other people. If you want to experience God's favor, then you need to let go of all of that unfavor you feel towards other people. See, the mountains in your life move by the power of God. And there are some things that you can do to ignite that power. You ignite God's power with that spoken word. You draw on his promises. You ignite God's power with faith and action. You ignite God's power with a heart full of mercy, of, of forgiveness. As you look at the mountain before you, think about what you say. Dare to speak optimistically. And as you look at the mountain, think about what you really believe to the extent that you're ready to back it up with corresponding action. And as you look at the mountain before you, look also into your heart. And then just as God has forgiven you, forgive others so that he can pour out his blessings in your life and make those mountains fall into the sea. May God bless you in that pursuit. Until next time, friends, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.